Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. My name is Matt Odegaard and I'm glad you joined me here today. To all that joined me in Pennsylvania over the weekend, I really appreciate it. We had a great seminar about Disney and what they are doing to parents and children, but really we had a great seminar about what is going on beneath that. Why did that even happen? And I'll be linking to that and posting that whole uh, seminar hopefully soon as uh, soon as it renders. So beyond that, we have just a really interesting convergence of events going on today. So we're talking about a tech billionaire who has driven the radical left crazy by forcing free speech on a social media site, namely Twitter. Well, really he hasn't done anything yet, but by the crazy unhinged reactions by the media celebrities and randos on Twitter, you'd think he sat people in a chair and forced them to say that is a man is a woman or a man is a man or something like that. Anywho, Elon Musk has purchased Twitter in an attempt to free the speech that so clearly has been censored on one side of the argument. But in another story that's not connected but is in the same theme, we're talking about religious liberty and freedom of speech in America. A football coach who was fired for praying on the field several years ago, and now, just now, the Supreme Court takes the case and it looks like perhaps he will win. That you are allowed to pray somewhere in and amongst school. Of course, that's very controversial, and we'll look at some of the things that are going on there. But the reality is, elections matter because policy matters, because people matter, and those that rule over the policy, namely the judges and justices of the court, make a huge difference whether you really have free speech and free religion or not. I'm Matt Odegaard. Welcome to Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I do really appreciate you joining me here today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe and like. Feel free to give a review if you want to. Love those five-star reviews. They really help. And of course, if you if this helps you, if it interests you in any way, share it. Share it with one person you know, because I just want people to understand what is really going on. There's so much weird information out there as some would say, as we'll talk about on the left side of this, there's the miss and dis and mal information. Did a big episode about that a few weeks ago. You can go and check that out at churchpublic.com or any of the podcast places. But beyond that, who do you trust? Who do you listen to? Now, I'm not even claiming that you should trust or listen to me necessarily. I just want to present current events from a Christian perspective and help you to understand what the Bible says. You don't even have to take my word for it on what the Bible says. That's the beauty of it. You can pick up your own Bible and read it for yourself. And I will always try to lean back to that and point you towards that. Because really, my goal is to help you have a better relationship with Jesus yourself and then go out into the public, into the public square, into places like Twitter, like what we'll be talking about today, and other social media places, and have a presence there representing who Christ really is and how you live according to God's values in God's kingdom. Not my kingdom, not this state's kingdom, not America's kingdom, but God's kingdom. Because ultimately, that's where we all live anyway we should probably start acting like we are. So we get to the first story of today, which is, of course, about Twitter. Now, I have to start with this fact that I believe is the real the real thing that's going on that I just, I'm hearing some people talk about, but not everybody talk about, that this is not about speech at all. It's really about power. It's really about who has the power to set the standards for speech, because speech is, as everybody knows, even if they don't admit it, speech is power. So that gets us to Twitter. Elon Musk has purchased Twitter for something like $44 billion, with a B, 
And he tweeted, quote, free speech is the bedrock of a functional democracy. And Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. He says, I also want to make Twitter better than ever before by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust, defeating the spam bots and authenticating all humans. Meanwhile, the super tolerant left wants less speech, not more. So leave Twitter, hashtag, trended, and many, many left the platform. Then a bunch of people came back to the platform because, well, as Elon mentioned, Twitter is the town square for speech. Where else can you go to speak except the town square, right? Other people commented and other organizations commented that was rather humorous to see over the weekend. The American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, in charge of civil liberties, or something like that, posted, quote, There's a lot of danger in having so much power in the hands of any one individual, not like the owner of the Washington Post, or the owner of Amazon, or other places that are owned by one individual. But anyway, Twitter is very dangerous to be owned by one individual, of course, or according to the American Civil Liberties Union. One interesting story, I think, comes from Politico. Reporting on Twitter's top lawyer, I'm going to mess this up, but Vijaya Gadi. I have no idea if I said that right, but I'm just going to go with it. Gadi cried during the meeting. Uh, this is according to Politico. They had a meeting about uh, the future of Twitter, and Gadi called this meeting. And according to Politico, quote, Gadi cried during the meeting as she expressed concerns about how the company could change, according to three people familiar with the meeting. The quote goes on from Politico. She acknowledged there are significant uncertainties about what the company will look like under Musk's leadership. End quote. Politico also noted that Gotti, who has worked at Twitter since 2011, is the key executive charged with overseeing Twitter's trust and safety legal and public policy functions. So I just want to pause a moment and say, that's interesting, right? So we're talking about the lawyer who is in charge of Twitter's trust and safety and public policy ideals and functions. Let's just keep going and we'll see what that has to do with anything here. So the attorney is apparently so well respected, according to Politico, within the company that she is seen as, quote, internally as Twitter's, quote, within a quote, moral authority and all the quotes. So this lawyer who is in charge of setting trust and safety and essentially what the values and guidelines are of Twitter is Twitter's moral authority. And that is really what we're talking about, right? This is not about speech per se. It is about morality and the power. And who has the power to shape your morality? Is it God, as some may ideal? Or is it Twitter? Or in this case, is it this particular lawyer? I guess we'll have to see. So we'll go on in this article. Gaddy has shepherded Twitter, quote, through some of its most contentious political battles, including the decisions to remove all political advertising and boot, this is a quote, boot former President Donald Trump from the platform in the wake of the January 6th attack on Capitol Hill. We'll go on with the quote. Musk has signaled he supports vastly loosening the company's content moderation policies, suggesting it should only remove content if it is required by the law. This is what Musk is proposing. We'll continue on this quote. That would be a huge shift for the company, which has spent years creating elaborate guidelines to reduce the amount of vitriolic and threatening content on its platform, end quote. So we're talking about Twitter. We're talking about setting the morality of Twitter. We're talking about whether you allow content that is allowed by law or if you allow content that is only allowed by the morality of Twitter, according to this lawyer or something. And they say they want to be really careful 
So they created these, quote, elaborate guidelines to reduce the amount of vitriolic and threatening content on its platform, end quote. And I would ask, you mean threatening like killing a sitting president or threatening like killing Jews or doxing people by publishing their personal information or threatening electoral integrity or suppressing of news stories for political gain or the threats to children through grooming or presenting totally inappropriate content or the threatening of by having all this pornography available on this platform. Wait, not that kind of threatening? So which kind of threatening content are we talking about? Oh yeah, the fact that men are men and women are women. That obviously is very threatening. Please don't kick me off of the internet. In another quiet part out loud moment, MSNBC's Ari Melber, I think hilariously contemplated, quote, you could secretly ban one party's candidate. This is a real quote from them. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it until after the elections, end quote. Hmm, that sounds vaguely familiar. And yet that was a quote from just over the weekend when they said that's what might happen if Musk was allowed to lead this platform. I mean... We're in crazy town again. Hunter Biden laptop, all manner of healthcare associated with certain virus, conservative viewpoints, biology of male and female people, among other topics that were outrightly banned, or you were banned for discussing them. No, no, that's all fine and good. But, you know, changing the algorithm to allow you to say what you want to say is definitely very, very dangerous. Free speech, of course, is necessary, but that has never been the point. The point has always been power. The point in this has always been power, but who has the power? When your ideas and theories cannot stand scrutiny, you have to silence the opposition. I've noted again and again that this and the left operate like a cult. It's not about truth and facts. It's about emotion. It's about feelings. It's about persuasion. You have to agree to my feelings or you have to be kicked out of the dialogue because... Truth doesn't matter. Only how you feel matters. Only emotion matters because we're so fragile that we can't stand to be told no. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is really just the baseline of where we are. Sometimes when you do something that's wrong or bad, you just have to be told no. You can't do that. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But in this culture, we can't stand that there might be something outside ourselves that tells us what is right and wrong. Namely, God. But Meanwhile, in the quest for sp free speech, a football coach was fired for praying after games, not during the games, mostly not before games, but mostly after games, mostly praying by himself, though sometimes the students would voluntarily join in. This was several years ago yet, because he was in public, he was removed from his position. To me, this is very connected to the last story. The Supreme Court on Monday heard a case regarding a high school football coach who said he was fired because he prayed after his team games. Joseph Kennedy, he was a Marine. He was an assistant football coach for the Bremerton High School uh, varsity team in Washington State 2008. He began to kneel after the football games and some students decided on their own to pray with him. Fast forward years and years and years. So again, this started in 2008. He started doing this. All the way till 2015, a school administrator approached the coach about the topic after an opposing team complained about this prayer. I actually read this other report about him that he didn't even want to coach, but he made a promise to God that he would give his coaching to God and pray for every game. This became his way to give God the glory for the work that he was doing. 
But after investigation, Kennedy was put on leave and then banned from participating in any capacity in the football program at all. So if nothing else, this is an interesting case to watch for concerning the right to pray or, as we talk about, concerning to have your faith in public. Are you allowed to have your faith in public or just because the left has invented some weird line between school and church that you can't have a faith if you are a teacher, which, by the way, I think is ridiculous. That's a story for another day. But for decades, the left has told us that we can't pray, we can't read our Bible in or around schools, and that's offensive and illegal. But at the same time, as we've mentioned, and I even did in my seminar over the weekend, the left is saying that if the school does not openly advocate for LGBTQAAIP dollar sign hashtag plus plus ideology, then that school is also offensive and immoral. They have given up the truth for a lie. Romans 125. And finally, speaking of switching up truth for lies, a college in Utah is now offering a pornography class. Yes, you heard me right. And I hate to even report on this garbage, but a Westminster college in Salt Lake City, Utah, wants you to attend class watching and talking about pornography. And no, this is not some political class about the evils of pornography or the harm it does to men and women everywhere or the human trafficking and drug abuse involved in the industry. None of that, which would be great. We should get together and talk more about how pornography is evil and it does harm to men and women everywhere and there's human trafficking involved and there's drug abuse involved and it is a terrible organization and just uh it is a terrible outpouring that should be eliminated from the face of the earth not that that could happen but it should no this class is none of that this is just a class to go to and watch and talk about pornography so westminster college in salt lake city is planning to offer this course studying hardcore pornography if you're watching and not just listening, here is the link to the film 3000 or 300. Oh, I, I really can't read it and it doesn't matter. But the class is film 3000 porn or something like that. Or 300 O porn. I have no idea. At any rate, I'll read for you because apparently I have to the class description because this will tell you more about how we as a culture are viewing this not the way that I just described and that it should be scorched earth and banned forever no that they say quote hardcore pornography is as American as apple pie and more popular than Sunday night football speaking of our approach to this billion-dollar industry, still reading the class description here, is as both a cultural phenomenon that reflects and reinforces sexual inequalities, parentheses, but holds the potential to challenge sexual and gender norms, end quote, end parentheses, still reading the description here, and as an art forum that requires serious contemplation. We will watch, still reading here, we will watch pornographic films together and discuss the sexualization of race, class, and gender as an experimental, radical art form. Finally finished reading that description, which was hard to get through. So this is what we're doing with our time, with our dollars, parents, sending children, and I mean students, okay, maybe some of them are not children anymore, but students, young adults, to a class to not critique the whole industry, which is a garbage fire that should be burned off the face of the earth, know that we should send them there to discuss how it is a radical art form. Or an art form, as they say, quote, that requires serious contemplation. Dear Lord, what are we doing? This is uh, what Westminster College's chief marketing officer, Sheila Rapazzo Yorkin, said, quote, descriptions of these courses, while alarming to some readers, you got that right. Continue on the quote. Help students decide if they wish to engage in serious investigation of controversial subjects. 
I can't, this is hard to read without talking about it. At any rate, I'll continue. This course will help students learn how to think critically about the influence of digi digital media culture. End quote. Is it, is that what this is, is this designed to do? Is this course really designed to help students think critically about the influence of digital media culture? Or is it just designed to bring more pornography into the lives of these poor students that need morality, not pornography? They need real, not imaginary relationships. This is such a, a, a delusion of what we really should do. And it goes on with everything that we talk about here. We're giving them more and more real, more and more imagination, just this unreal place, the whole meta thing. And, and we'll talk more about meta at a later time. But this whole imaginary reality and imaginary relationship rather than real relationship. We're trading truth for a lie, as we see in Isaiah, and I'll read that verse for you in just a moment, but we're, we're trying this new thing that creates an imaginary world. You can be whatever you want to be. You can love whoever you want to love. You can follow whoever you want to follow. You can do whatever you want to do, because after all, according to the left, the only rule for relationship is consent. As long as you have consent, there are no other rules. It doesn't matter what age is involved. It doesn't matter what gender is involved. It doesn't matter if you have a committed relationship. Nothing else matters. As long as you have consent, nothing else matters in this world. And that's a really, really bad moral virtue to land on. There should be more. I was preaching this weekend, and one of the things that I talked about is you should do the right thing because it's the right thing, even if no one else sees it. I know that's antithetical to everything this culture is saying. It's antithetical to consent. Consent means you can do something if the other person says it's okay. Right living and righteousness and virtue says you can do something if it is the right thing, regardless of if someone else is there, regardless of if it impacts someone else. That's the biblical value. The biblical value is, as, as uh, we read in the New Testament, your body is a living temple, so you should treat it the right way. If you are a Christian, then God lives in you, and so you should treat your body in that way, regardless of if your actions have any consequence or reaction to anyone else in the world. That's integrity. That's following after God. It's denying yourself and really doing the right thing. And according to culture, that doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want, because as long as you have the consent of someone else, or if you're by yourself, it doesn't matter what you do, right? No, that's just wrong. And and we used to know that. For all of history, we used to know that up until the last five minutes when we've practiced this weird neo-hedonism, cultural Marxism, and all the isms that just say, do whatever you want. Whatever you want is fine. doesn't matter as long as you don't hurt other people. Well, how do you know? How do you know, one, if you're hurting other people? But beyond that, how do you know if you're not hurting yourself? And I don't have the slide right here available. I showed it over the weekend. But the amount of hopelessness in this culture, especially in the young generation, the amount of depression, anxiety, suicide is through the roof right now. Why do you think that is? A large part of it is because we've not given them any identity other than whatever they've invented in their heads, and that's just not healthy. It doesn't lead to any hopefulness. It doesn't lead to any satisfaction in this life when you just invent your morality and invent who you are out of whole cloth, rather than the other side of it, creating uh, or, or rather leaning into who you were created to be. You have an identity, and your identity is not found inside of yourself. If you're broken inside yourself, you're not going to find something in yourself to fix the brokenness. It just doesn't work that way. You have to find something outside of yourself to figure out your brokenness. And I'm going to suggest that where you find that wholeness, 
where you find something bigger than you is only in who you are in God and who God has created you to be. But that comes with certain guidelines because if you don't follow the guidelines, you end up in these really weird situations watching pornography in a college class and thinking, well, this is good for me. It's not. It's not good for you to do it in any context. It's not good for you. And, and we have such a huge problem with doing things that aren't good for you because the culture says, well, it's fine. You haven't hurt anybody. You haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything illegal. And those are the only values, right? If it's not illegal, if it's not hurting anybody, it's fine. It's all fine. Do whatever you want. You be you. No, that's just not how it is. That's just not reality. And even if you don't like the Bible, if you don't follow the Bible, go back and read Aristotle or read Plato. Good is important. Doing the good is important. If you don't do good things, if you don't live to grow who you are in a moral fashion that is based on something outside of yourself, then you will be hopeless. You will be faithless. You will be depressed because there is nothing that you're tying your identity to other than some imagination that you have created. And that's just not good. It's just not helpful. So I want to leave you with Bible as, as we always do because I, I think it's important for us to ground ourselves in something better than this. So I'm going to leave you with Philippians 4. I've quoted this verse before, but it just really is that good. And you can go and read Philippians 4 for yourself. It really is a great series of verses. It really is a great sermon that Paul preaches to the Philippians and to us. But I'm going to start in verse 8 because when we think about, well, what really is good there's some great examples in here. Philippians 4.8, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But don't just think about it, he says. Verse 9, when you have learned and received and heard and seen these things, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So think about the good things and then do the good things. Don't just imagine that what you have and what you've seen in culture or what they're telling you to do is the right thing because more often than not, it's not the right thing. But God tells you in this, through the Apostle Paul, what some of the good things are. And you can and should do some of these things because, as Paul says, if you practice these things, if you do these things, if you live in this way, the God of peace will be with you in Christ Jesus. If you're searching for peace, if you're looking for something that you can't find, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with sadness, if you're dealing with hopelessness, here's a list of things to work through to do. If you try to go after them through this culture, you're just not going to get there. It's just not possible. This is the list you need to look at, and this is the list you need to work through. Go to Philippians 4 and read through this. This is a whole topic about peace and how you get peace and how you live at peace in the world as crazy as it is, because your peace cannot be built on this world. It's just not going to work. It's just not going to live up to the hype that this world says it will. So I hope that you do this. I hope that you follow after God, and I hope that you find Jesus in your pursuit of him. He says that if you seek him with your heart, you will find him. And I hope that you do. And I hope that you serve him and live as with Jesus as Lord of your life in every day and everything that you have. Thanks for tuning in to Church Public. Hope that you like and subscribe. Share this if it was helpful to you at all. As always, God bless and keep the faith.